Well, it's uh, it's great to be able to um, share God's word with you again. Um, let me just uh, pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you um, for the gift of your word. Lord, we thank you that it uh, speaks to us now um, through the centuries, Lord. Uh, and I pray that you would um, speak uh, through me uh, to each of our hearts today by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Amen. Okay, so we're, we're now into chapter 7 of Matthew, um, and we're nearing the end of the Sermon on the Mount, um, which is Jesus' uh, probably his most well-known block of teaching in the New Testament. In chapter 6, we were thinking a lot about um, how, how we are to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. In terms of in terms of our attitudes, I guess you might say our, our kind of individual uh, holiness. In chapter seven, we're moving more on to thinking about our relationships, both our horizontal ones with with each other, and um, but also our vertical um, relationship with God. Um, so the first bit of the chapter that we're going to think about today focuses on those those horizontal relationships, how we relate to each other. And, and really it's answering the question of um, how we uh, interact um, with those who don't appear to be living uh, in line with the, the values of the kingdom. And I think Jesus gives us two answers to this. Firstly, uh, don't judge condemningly. And secondly, do judge discerningly. So I want to think about what it looks like to judge condemningly uh, and why Jesus warns us against that. Um, and then think about how we can judge uh, discerningly, both with believers and unbelievers. And then we're going to have a look at how Jesus uh, exemplifies this teaching in his in his own life. So, first of all, in our relationships with others, we are not to judge condemningly. Uh, don't judge condemningly. If you look down at verse 1, Jesus says, do not judge. So why have I kind of Added, added something to that. Why have I said don't judge condemningly? Well, I think I think there are lots of definitions of judge that we might use. Um, so we need to we need to specify which type of judging we're talking about. Um, one definition is to form an opinion of something. That's something we kind of do regularly, like every day in our lives, really. Um, sometimes it might be fairly trivial things. Um, we might have uh, judged the weather before we left the house and clothe ourselves um, accordingly um, we might have put shorts on if we thought you know it's warm enough for shorts or if we're Nick because Nick always wears shorts um, sometimes it's more important things so many of us will have voted on Thursday about whether um, the UK should remain part of the EU or not we've, we've made a judgement um, according to the, the information that we have and our, our own personal values and I think we can judge people in this way as well. So um, we might judge whether a particular action or a particular lifestyle is morally right or wrong. Um, Jesus has already done this kind of judging lots of times in the last few chapters of Matthew. He's judged the, the angry, the lustful, uh, the proud, to name but a few. Um, he's been quite critical of the, the Pharisees um, and, the, and the scribes. So I think uh, it's fair to say that Jesus can't be talking about that kind of judgment when he says, do not judge. So the, the other definition of judgment 
um, is to pass judgment, to be judgmental. I guess this is where opinion morphs into self-righteousness. This is when we look down at people as inferior to us uh, and, and treat them harshly. This is when we decide on the state of someone's heart without really uh, knowing them, without knowing the full uh, facts and do what only God has a right to do. This is the kind of judging that Jesus is warning us against. This kind of judgment is destructive rather than constructive. It's harsh instead of loving. It's proud instead of humble. It delights in seeing others slip up. It loves to, it loves to see failure in others. It's hypercritical and petty and it often focuses on the unimportant things. And the Pharisees are a brilliant example of this. In John chapter 7, Jesus heals someone on the Sabbath and they get really angry and they get judgmental about it. Um, And Jesus responds, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. So they've got this black and white rule um, that, that, you know, about the Sabbath, that you shouldn't do any work on the Sabbath. But that goes over and above what God commanded, and they, they use it to condemn Jesus, who is really fulfilling the spirit of the law to love your neighbour as yourself. So they're, they're kind of, they're not looking at the whole picture, really. They're just looking at the immediate outward appearance of what's going on. But more than this, this kind of judgment is blind. Look with me at verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Jesus is saying that those who judge in this way, who judge condemningly, are like someone who calls someone out for having a little speck of dust in their eye and they're walking around with a big plank like wedged in their own eye. I don't know if you can picture that. They're just totally oblivious to this, to this big bit of wood in their eye. Um, I've been reading this week about a condition called um, Anton Babinski syndrome. I um, don't know if any of you have heard of it, but basically this is where someone is made blind by, uh, it might be a stroke or a, a head injury, um, but they flat out refuse to admit that they are blind. They still think they can see, which sounds crazy, right? They, they act as if they can still see, but it seems become, soon becomes apparent that they are actually blind when they start bumping into things and they, you know, they can't get through doors. They're describing things which are not actually there. Jesus is kind of saying that, um, that those who judge condemningly have something like a spiritual version of this Anton Babinski syndrome. They're wandering around claiming to have 20-20 vision and they're criticising the people who are wearing glasses. I wonder if you know people like this. I wonder if you can think of people like that. Well, I want you to forget them because Jesus is talking to you and he's talking to me. We've got to examine our own hearts carefully because we are probably guilty of this without being aware of it. There's a brilliant example uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, So David, the great king of Israel, once decided um, they really liked this woman, Bathsheba, who was married. Um, but he took her anyway, uh, got her pregnant, and then killed her husband, Uzziah. Uh, God then sends his prophet, Nathan, 
to David. Um, so if you want to, if, if you've got your Bibles open, if you want to turn with me, keep your finger in Matthew 7, uh, but turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 12, which is on page 315. Samuel 12, starting at verse 1, page 315. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveller who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David bent with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over, because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Nathan is kind of telling him, a, I guess, a parable, like a, almost a, a parody of what, um, of what David himself has done. So David is, I guess he's demonstrating this exact thing that we're talking about. He is, you know, he, he is angry and outraged at what this man has done, but he's completely blind to the fact that he has done this exact same thing himself. So it's, so it's hard to spot in ourselves by its very nature. Um, so let me just encourage you to uh, examine your own hearts, really. Um, does the sin of other people make you angry while you usually find excuses for your own for your own sin maybe maybe circumstances or, or other people is your reaction to another Christian falling into sin sometimes well at least I'm better than them do you expect a higher standard of other people than you do of yourself and you find it easier to spot sin in others uh, rather than yourself are you more likely to talk to other people about the faults that you perceive in someone else rather than the faults that you, that you know, rather than the areas that you're weak in? I think if we're doing uh, these things, then we are judging uh, condemningly. We're living in a way which destroys relationships, which builds walls between us and other people, uh, both fellow Christians and unbelievers as well. Even if we never express these things verbally and just kind of have them in our own hearts, I think it is uh, still poisonous to our relationships with each other. So that, I guess that's one reason um, why we shouldn't judge, but Jesus gives us another reason as well. Look back at the passage in uh, Matthew 7. It says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way as you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus says that we shouldn't judge others because we will be judged in the same way. Well, what, what does this mean? What, what form does this judgment take? 
Um, I'm not 100% certain, I'll be honest with you. I've been wrestling with this this week, and different commentators have different ideas about what Jesus means by you will be judged in the same way. So let me give you a few options, and I'll tell you what, what I think. Uh, it could mean that we'll, that we'll all be judged in the same way by other people. Remember, Jesus is primarily talking here to his disciples, to the, you know, to the 12 apostles. And he's going to send them out into the world to, to preach the good news. So for them to have a self-righteous attitude is going to be counterproductive for the, for the spread of the gospel. It's going to, it's going to impede that, the spread of the gospel. When we focus on those, like, those extra, those external rules, like the Pharisees, we set ourselves up for a fall. And those who, those who don't believe the gospel are just going to dismiss it. Because why would they want to be like hypocrites? And I guess we often see this kind of attitude in our own culture, don't we? But is man's judgment really so worrying? Um, Jesus has been talking a lot about our relationship with God. Um, about kind of heavenly rewards and that, that sort of thing. So another option is that this is talking about salvation, about God's final judgment of us, about whether we're fit for heaven uh, or destined for hell. I guess if we place ourselves in God's shoes as the judge, then we don't really understand the gospel, do we? God is the ultimate judge. And we escape his judgment by virtue of Jesus' righteousness and not our own. There is a third option as well. Um, Jesus might be talking about that other kind of judgment from God where all Christians will be called to give account for what they have done in their lives. Um, if you want to, if you want to look this up later, um, there's the, the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Uh, personally, I think Jesus is, is talking about other people, uh, judging us. I think that, that option makes the most sense. Um, that's not to say that the others are not true, um, because I think they are, but I think Jesus is talking here mostly about our horizontal relationships. Um, so we should avoid unnecessarily inhibiting the spread of the gospel um, by judging condemningly. However, though we're not to judge in this way, Jesus does call us to does call us to judge in another way. He tells us to judge discerningly. Do judge discerningly is the second point. Um, th- this is kind of the other definition of judge that we thought about earlier. Um, carefully uh, forming and expressing an opinion based on the information that is available to us. Uh, discernment has this idea of, um, of separating or distinguishing what is good and what is bad, right and wrong. And Jesus calls us to judge discerningly in two situations, um, with believers and with unbelievers. So we should judge discerningly with believers. Uh, look down at verse 5. Notice that Jesus doesn't tell us never to take the speck from our brother's eye, but only that we should take the plank out of our own eye first. So according to Jesus, there is a place for this, for removing the speck, removing the, um, the dust. 
Do not judge doesn't mean that we can't lovingly correct our brothers and sisters who have fallen into sin. After all, a speck of, a speck of sawdust might not be nearly as painful as having a big plank in your eye. But I don't know if you've had it, that speck in your eye. It is quite annoying and uncomfortable. Uh, Jesus has been teaching a lot about holiness as well. And if we believe that holiness is a good thing, then we will be concerned not only for our own holiness, uh, but for that of our brothers and sisters in the church. Sometimes um, we really want to not be seen as judgmental. So we kind of just stay quiet, even when we see outright sin. And to be honest, this has been my experience in most of the churches that I've been in. It's been quite rare that someone has called me out on my sin, even when it's been quite blatant. But if we want to be a church, a people, which is doing God's will, then we need to be willing to kind of put our neck on the line, I guess, and, and, um, uh, and, and call people out on their sin. But we do have to be careful, obviously. We want to be enemies of sin. We don't want to be enemies of each other. So how do we strike that balance? Balance is always hard, and each one of us is going to tend to lean one way or the other. Um, but here's four principles that will hopefully help us to be uh, discerningly judging and not condemningly so. So first of all, the context should be friendship. We shouldn't just look at Christians' behaviour from the outside and assume we know what's going on in their heart. We shouldn't criticise based on based on the appearance like the Pharisees did without knowing the circumstances of people's lives. Which means that we should only be doing this within the context of, uh, of a good Christian friendship. Secondly, the motivation should be love. Love for God, having a desire to honour and to obey his holy law and love for the brother or sister in question. Um, having their, their best interests at heart. It shouldn't be done to make us feel better about ourselves or to bring someone down. Thirdly, the attitude should be humble. The right approach to criticism, Jesus says, is to examine ourselves first and make sure we've taken the plank out of our eye first uh, before we move on to thinking about other people. It is much easier to see the sin in others than it is to see it in ourselves. And we've got to recognise, as we, as we do that, that we may not have actually removed the plank. We may be unaware of it. So it's really important that we are not proud in, in, in this uh, discerning judgement, but that we are humble. And then finally, the execution should be gentle. And this is something that should hopefully flow from all the others. It should just kind of work its way out. Um, our aim is building the other person up, not bringing them down. So our tone shouldn't be harsh, but it should be kind. Our word should be uh, prayerfully considered, rather than like a, a knee-jerk reaction. Obviously, if the person doesn't repent, if they continue in their sin, even though you've pointed it out to them, 
Um, there may be a place for church discipline, but it's not an excuse to let go of these things and to give way to, to like anger and that sort of thing. Friendship, humility, love and gentleness should still be the order of the day. Uh, William Hendrickson, in his commentary on this chapter, uh, puts it like this. We should avoid saying what is untrue, unnecessary or unkind. So that is a good thing to think about when we are considering um, challenging someone about their sin. And the ultimate principle here really is um, what we read in verse 12. The golden rule, do to others what you would have them do to you. How would you want someone else to challenge you on your sin? Then do it in that way to someone else. So, uh, let me dare you, let me dare us all to live together in this way. To have relationships in the church where this discerning kind of judgment can happen. Where we can help to remove each other's specks. That specks with a K, not like just taking each other's glasses. Um, so that, thanks Sam. So that we might live more and more like Jesus. So we should judge discerningly with our brothers and sisters, with other believers, uh, but we should also judge discerningly with unbelievers. Take a look at verse 6 with me. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and then turn and tear you to pieces. Now, this is a pretty weird verse, really. I was really confused the first time I read it and the second, and the third, and the fourth. Um, like for a start, what, what do you mean by what is sacred? What do you mean by pearls? What are dogs and pigs? And why, why are these verses even here? How do they like relate to the other, the other bits? It seems totally out of place, really. Uh, but what I think Jesus is doing is, again, he's preparing his disciples for their mission that he's about to send them out on. He's giving them a command to show discernment um, in their dealings with unbelievers. First thing to do is establish what the metaphor of dogs and pigs would have meant to a first century Jew. If we think of dogs and pigs, we might see them as kind of cute pets and farmyard animals, like these cute things up here. But to Jews, dogs and pigs were were not were not cute, and they were vicious, they were wild, they were they were dirty and unclean. A bit like this. That's not a picture of Sam, by the way. Just to, just to clarify. And the, and the pearls, what, what are they? I think, I think the pearls, I think it means the gospel. Um, I think it means the message of, um, message of repentance that Jesus is preaching. Uh, Jesus isn't, he's not calling unbelievers, uh, dirty pigs and vicious dogs. Just to clarify. But, but he is telling his disciples to show discernment um, in, in, how they, in how they interact with unbelievers. There's another example of when Jesus talks about this. It's in Matthew chapter 10. Jesus says, as you enter the home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it's not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. So Jesus is telling his disciples there not to uh, keep trying to preach the gospel to those whose hearts are hardened against it, who react 
uh, violently and angrily. Um, but not only does Jesus command this, he also demonstrates it. He demonstrates that there is a, a time to speak and a time to be quiet. Throughout the gospel, he's been, he's been preaching the good news to everyone. But when he comes up in front of the chief priests and in front of Pilate and, and Herod, he stops talking. He shows uh, discernment. He knows that it's not going to be beneficial to, to speak in those situations. Now, I'm not saying that if your friend gets angry one time at you because you mentioned Jesus, then you should just go, okay, I'm not going to talk to that friend ever again about Jesus. Um, just uh, what I'm saying is that we need to show, we need to show discernment. There's not like a, um, a one size fits all way of doing evangelism. We need to consider each person as an individual and judge discerningly. And it may be that it's not always appropriate to say something. There might be times when it's appropriate uh, to stay quiet. Okay, so uh, let's wrap up. Um, Jesus warns us not to judge in a way that is condemning, that is self-righteous, that is proud. Um, It might impact the spread of the gospel, and we'll have to answer for it um, on the day when, um, when we go before God on Judgment Day. And not only that, but it is blind. But he also tells us that we should judge discerningly, uh, pointing out to our brothers and sisters when they get it wrong, and ensuring that we're using our judgment in evangelism too. It can be a difficult balance to get right. Um, for a start, it is profoundly countercultural. I think the prevailing idea in our culture is uh, basically don't tell anyone what to do. So we've got to go against that um, if we're to follow Jesus' commands. Also, we need great wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. So let's uh, let's pray for ourselves and each other um, that we would uh, imitate Jesus who exemplifies his own teaching um, in John chapter 8. So let me just read you as we close um, from John 8. At dawn, he appeared in the temple courts where all the people gathered round him and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman, still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So here's a woman who has been caught sinning. <laughs> um, but Jesus doesn't, uh, he doesn't condemn her. But, but equally, he doesn't let her get away with it. He gently 
comes alongside her and says, Stop sinning. You're living in sin. Stop it. And Jesus calls us to share this kind of, uh, kind of loving, discerning judgment um, towards one another. So let us not uh, judge each other condemningly, but discerningly. Amen.